could live in these times. I mentioned this morning that, uh, as I'm sure probably many of us will be aware, that our Prime Minister uh, said that we are facing the greatest public health emergency of this generation. Uh, I think that's true. I think we may be about to enter the greatest period of suffering that this country has known since the Second World War. I hope it's not the case. I'm praying that it will not be kept the case. Uh, but it's hard to see how that's not going to be the case. Uh, the uh, chief, the government's chief, uh, chief scientific advisor said that in his opinion we are uh, four weeks behind Italy and uh, I'm sure we've seen the mortality figures the number of people who've, who are infected in Italy, the number of people who have died, I'm sure many of us will have heard or seen reports of uh, the great strain that the health service is under in Italy and of course we see Spain also facing a crisis at the moment and Iran, Germany, United States all looking like they're going into a period of great difficulty. And so I said this morning that I'm going to um, suspend my normal series that I've been doing on Sunday mornings from Romans 15 uh, and uh, I, I wanted this morning and this afternoon to uh, give some pastoral advice uh, for these difficult times. And uh, God willing, we don't know how long we'll be able to continue meeting. Uh, obviously, I don't know if I might get quarantined or might get ill myself. Uh, but um, for as long as it's possible, I want to, during this crisis, I want to, I'm perhaps, uh, I'm not sure how it will work out, but I may pick up on some of these things that I mentioned tonight, mentioned this morning and this, this, this afternoon and perhaps fill them out a bit more, perhaps give a little bit of help, just so we've got something to help us as we go through into this time. Uh, and what I'm doing, what I did this morning, what, I, what I'm doing this afternoon is I don't think if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for some time, I don't think I'm going to tell you anything that you don't know already. Uh, it's more like a sort of revision session to um, sort of prepare us for the exam. The exam's coming, I think, probably in about, well, some say less than four weeks, some say two weeks, but there's a time coming soon when it's going to be get very, very difficult. Already it's difficult, but it's going to be get, it looks like it's going to get very difficult. Uh, so, um, so it's really sort of revision, if you like, a bit of cramming before the exam, uh, and then... So hopefully, God willing, we can expand on some of these points in future weeks, if possible. So I think just to recap what I said this morning, I, I mentioned four things this morning, that uh, four pieces of advice. I'm not going to go through them in detail, obviously, but I'll just to give you the headings. First of all, make sure you're saved. If, you're not, if you are any doubt about whether you're a Christian, now is the time for you to close with God. You don't know how long you've got. At uh, some point in the next few weeks, it's possible 
you might become ill, you might get very seriously ill, you might die. Uh, we don't know. You don't know. So this is the time. If you've been delaying, if you've been hanging around, you've been on the edge, this is the time to make sure you are saved. Secondly, and all this up this point and all the subsequent points are for those who are believers, look forward to death. Look forward to going to be with the Lord. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Thirdly, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Jesus has given us his peace. It's his gift to us. Because we know we're friends with the creator and ruler of the universe. So let God's peace reign in your heart. And then, fourthly, I said this morning, take sensible precautions. Take sensible precautions as regards your own health and well-being. Take sensible precautions to guard the health and well-being of others. Uh, Make provision for the future. Uh, As and when the shops do come back into stock, as they probably will, then if it's not going to deprive others of what they need, then stock up and do other things to, to uh, be ready for what is coming. So uh, the, the, those are four things I said. Now, to continue then this evening, the fifth piece of advice I would give is to pray. This is what we need to do, isn't it? At, this, at a time like this, we need to call on God. And what an amazing thing it is because we who are believers have access to the one who's in charge of everything. Uh, I've had some concerns myself about the approach that the government has been taking and I, I thought if only I could just talk to Boris Johnson but I don't think I could get I don't think I could manage to get an audience I could try sending him a letter but I don't I probably would, a member of his staff would read it and then it would get a polite the Prime Minister thanks you for your concern and, and that would be it wouldn't it and I think he hooked it up he'd think who could I who could I write to who could I say something to but I can go to God who's far more powerful than Boris Johnson. And I have his ear. The heart of the king is in the Lord's hand to to direct as he chooses, like a watercourse. So I can't talk to the prime minister, might be, but I can talk to God. And he can sort the problem out if he feels it's right to do so. He can change minds. He can change the way people think. And he can change, he can help the different people who are on the ground, the doctors and nurses. He can help the, the different workers in public health England to do what they can to protect people. He can help and move different people to wash their hands and to do all the other things that they need to do to, to help. We can pray to God. 
He's the almighty God because he made heaven and earth by a few commands out of his voice. The whole universe came into being. Jeremiah 32 verse 17. Our sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And the great thing is that we have access. We can go into his presence through the blood of Christ. We may enter the throne room of God and beseech almighty God, knowing that he hears us. He won't turn us away. Because our sins have been paid for. And it's amazing how the great God sometimes hears the prayers of individuals as they plead for nations. Remember Abraham pleading with God for Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord, if you can find just just 50 righteous men, he won't destroy it for 50 righteous men. And, and so he would continue. Of course, he, he, he didn't think there'd only be less than 10. But he prayed to God. He interceded for that great, those two cities. Think of, of um, David when the plague was going through, the, the ravaging through uh, the people of, 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 of Israel because of David's sin. And he beseeched God, he prayed to God, and the plague stopped at the threshing floor in Jerusalem of that man. I can't remember his name now. It stopped there. The angel of death stopped. And uh, who's to know? The Lord might suddenly bring it to an end. SARS came to an end. Uh, and and, 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 and uh, um, various other serious diseases have actually come to an end. Who's to know if we pray? Think of Elijah contending with with uh, Ahab, praying to God that there be no rain. The whole land was parched. And then he had that great contest with the prophets of Baal. And then he prayed again. And the torrents came down. Remember how what James says about that. James 5, 17. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain. And on the, land, on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed. And the heavens gave rain and the earth produced crops. Who's to know what you could do in your bedroom, on your knees? How you could change the course of this. Not you, of course, but God might hear your prayers. And he might change the course of this terrible disease so uh, we can pray and of course we should pray for um, well the things we've, we've just prayed for uh, uh, bring these things to God knowing that he is a God who hears knowing that he is a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more 
than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And let's also gather to pray. As long as we're late, allowed to, we don't know how long we'll be allowed to. But while we're allowed to, let us gather and call on God together for his intervention and for his mercy. So that's the, the, the fifth thing. Now the sixth thing I would say is that we should look for ways of doing good to others. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, uh, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers, the household of believers. There are opportunities to do good which are going to start to emerge as we, as we uh, during this period. Um, the first thing, obviously, to think about is in terms of our own members. Uh, and those, there, are, there are two classes of people who, who will be absent from our services at this time. Well, three classes. There will be those, first of all, who are ill. We hope that won't happen, but it may well happen. There will be those who are ill. And who, uh, who we won't be allowed to, to visit them because of the risk of picking up infection ourselves. Uh, but we can phone. We can offer to leave food. Uh, we can perhaps write a card. Then there'll be those who uh, are okay, but are vulnerable physically and feel understandably concerned about coming to any situation, even the church or anywhere, probably using public transport, uh, especially if they have to use public transport to get here, and who feel they need to basically just keep right to their own, to themselves, for as long as it takes for this, this outbreak to pass. Well, phone them up. You know, how are you getting on? We missed you yesterday. Tell them how the sermon was. Tell them who was there. Tell them how different people are getting on. Ask how they're getting on. Are they... Are they managing to read the Bible? Are they managing to, to, um, to get some nourishment, get some strength? And then there'll be those who, who, keep, who are not here because, because of, uh, they're not ill themselves, but they've had, they've had contact with those who, who, are, who, who possibly may not be well. Or who seem not to be well. And again, they, they feel they need to quarantine themselves for a while. So let's take opportunities to do good. Now, but then also, we need to be on the lookout, don't we, for elderly neighbours. Um, what do you do if you're an old person and you've got no family, and you get ill. 
What happens? Well, uh, we need to look out for such people and see what we can do to help them. Perhaps they might need a bit of shopping brought up their door or something like that. See if we can help. Now, it's possible. One wouldn't want this to happen, but it's possible that that um, you might catch the virus and possibly somehow get some sort of testing of some some verification that you have actually had it. Uh, maybe a blood test or something might become available at some point, which would show you've got the antibodies. We don't know. And then uh, you might be in a position whereby you could actually, depending on, we don't know whether you can get reinfected with it, we don't know at the moment, but if it turns out that it's something which, which you can't get reinfected with, then you'd have a great opportunity to minister to the sick. Because you would be able to go into their homes and you would be able to read the Bible with them and you would be able to help them. So we need to be on the lookout for ways of doing good to others. Um, I'm sure you know that um, uh, in, during the great, great plague in London there were pastors who, who made the deliberate choice not to flee London. They probably had the resources to to live out in the country, but they made the choice to stay in London in order to minister to their congregations. Uh, there, there were also the, the Christians in the time of the early, you know, in the time of the Roman Empire were often renowned for the fact they would help uh, people who were suffering from the plague uh, at that time. So look out for ways of doing good for others. Obviously we need to do that within the confines of what the, the government says in terms of be careful so as not to spread infection, but if you can do so in such a way as will not spread infection, then that clearly is a great thing. Now then, seventhly, take opportunities to speak of the Lord. I'd like to just refer you at this point to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 16. Sorry, verse 15. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason you have, for the, for the, uh, to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience that those who may speak maliciously against your good cat behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. I mentioned this morning how we can and should look forward to being with the Lord. You know, we, 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 should, we, should have, we should be actually almost glad at the thought that we might die. Not that we want to die. We're, we're pleased to be on earth and we want to carry on serving the Lord. But the thought that, well, you know what? It's just possible in the next few weeks it might be my turn to be, to be promoted to glory. That should actually thrill us in one level. And the thought that, hey, we'll be with the Lord. And then after a little while, having been with the Lord, we'll come with the Lord down from earth to, 
from heaven to earth and we will be reunited with our bodies and we'll be, we'll be on this regenerated earth with the Lord's people in the presence of the Lord forever. That's great hope. And it may be that, you know, God forbid, but you might lose a loved one. And the Lord might enable you to, to, even though you grieve, not to grieve as men do. And to have joy in affliction. And people might say to you, what's this joy? Why are you glad? How come? And even before anything like that happens, we have a peace. And they say, why are you peaceful? Where's your peace coming from? And there's this opportunity to give the reason for the hope that we had. And even before that we enter into, into a period of suffering, we still have an opportunity, don't we, so often with people. Because it's on everybody's mouth. Hey, what do you think of the coronavirus? Everybody's talking about it. I was just walking with Paul down the other day and just happened to meet a contact that we've known for years. And, um, oh, got into what the coronavirus thing. I was able to say to him, are you ready to die? He said, no, I'm not ready to die. And we were able to talk a little bit about how you can be ready to die. These great opportunities. So, you know, as one door closes, you know, we can't, it's probably not, when we've decided we won't go door-to-door visiting. We might be thought of as like a herald of death as we, as we knock on people's doors. But we, there's other opportunities. As you walk down the street or meet people or phone people, great opportunities. And the Lord can open these up. So look for opportunities to speak of Christ. Who's to know how the Lord might use this? to awaken people. There are accounts in the past of people being converted when they see others dying. And they think, that could be me. That might have been me. Adoniram Judson, wasn't he? He heard a man dying in the room next door to him. He was at an inn. He was heard this morning dying in agony. He was to be a well-known atheist and swear and, and everything else. And then he, he died in the most dreadful way. But it, it converted Adoniram Judson. Who knows how God might use, if it does break out in a big way, how God might use it to turn people to himself. Eighthly, and I remember I'm just sketching these things out for you. Obviously, there's so much more that could be said on these things. But the eighth thing I would say is this. Remember that God is ruling over all things for your good. Romans 8 Verse 28. Now, I did a little series on this a few week, few months ago, and uh, there are various booklets around, or we can. There, I think they're online as well, and obviously the sermons are online that you can listen to. But let me just just remind you of this this verse, and we know that in in our translation it says, and we know that in all things God works for good for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to his purpose. Can be, there's a manuscript variation. Uh, it can be, we know that all things work together for good with those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The, the word God in some, doesn't appear in some of the manuscripts, but it boils down to the same thing. Almighty God, 
is reigning over every event that happens. You think about that. We don't know how this virus got into the world, but they think it was perhaps due to some little bit of virus jumping from one animal to another and then from that animal to a human being. God ruled over that. And the spread of this virus all around the world, God has ruled over it. And not only that, every, every single detail of your life, every little thing that goes well, every little thing that goes wrong, all ruled over by God. He's sovereign. He is king. Grand political events, minor little movements of, of ants and birds, all under God's control. There's not a single thing that he is not the Lord and master of. As the apostle says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11, that God works out all things according to the counsel of his will. Everything is just masterminded by the great, almighty, powerful, all-powerful God. How that ties in with human responsibility, we cannot work out. Because humans have responsibility, and when they make mistakes, it's their fault. When they sin, it's their fault. It's not God's fault. And yet, even when people do foolish and wrong things, without meaning to or planning to, they unwittingly fulfill the great overarching purpose of God. And the great example, of course, of all is the death of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross. Men conspired against the Son of God. But that is the single most evil act that's ever been perpetrated in the history of the world. And yet, what they didn't realize was that they were fulfilling the plan of God. He was the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. This was God's great strategy to save men and women, boys and girls. And that's one example, but you can, apply, you can multiply that many times. Remember what Joseph said to his brothers. You intended it for harm, but God meant it for good, the saving of many souls. So many lives. So God is reigning and is working everything together for, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Those, in other words, who are true believers. The true believer has been brought to the point from the point where he used to hate God and now he loves God. The true believer is somebody who's been called according to the eternal purpose and plan of God. God predestined, as he goes on to say in the following verses, God predestined him or her that, that, that he or she should be conformed to the image of, 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 of the Son of the Lord Jesus Christ, of, God's, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. All God's great sovereign plan and purpose. And those who have been called according to that great sovereign plan and purpose of God, God is conspiring 
over all events for the good, for his or her good. Isn't that amazing? The history of the world is for your good, for my good, and for all the good of all the other hundreds of millions of Christians that are in the world. He plans it all perfectly. Every single little detail all worked out for our good. So we don't need to panic. We don't need to fear. We don't need to think, oh, no, it's gone really wrong. You know, perhaps you make a, like a little mistake when you're doing your, your job and you think, oh, and you're tempted perhaps to even swear or, you know, oh, you silly idiot, whatever you say to yourself. But remember, God's reigning. It's all under his control. This virus is under his control. Who's to know what his purpose is? I, can, I think we can see, can't we? Already we can see how God has used this to humble the proud world. Oh, they've got, we've got our great achievements. We've got, we've got you know, commerce, globalization. We've got, we can travel all over the world. We've got these computers. We've got everything all going absolutely fine. Prosperity is increasing, increasing, increasing. And then just literally one little virus gets into the system. And for a while at least, the whole thing grinds to a halt. We don't know how long it'll last, but for a while, the world grinds to a halt. It's amazing, isn't it? How great he is. For the good. God's ruling for, for your good. So, don't be discouraged. Don't be disheartened. Don't be gloomy. Because God is on his throne. So uh, that's the, the eighth thing. And then the ninth thing really, I suppose, springs from that. This is the last thing I'm going to say tonight, which is this. We should rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, doesn't he, in Philippians, as I'm sure you know, Philippians 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same again. And his safeguard for you. We should rejoice in the Lord. We might not be able to rejoice in our circumstances. We might have grief. We might be bereaved. We don't know. We might suffer ill health. We don't know. In the coming months, we don't know what's going to happen. But we can still rejoice in the Lord. Because whatever happens to our circumstances, the Lord has not changed. His love has not changed. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. His love is there. His goodness is there. The salvation that he brought us is there. The hope that we have is there. God himself is there. It's, nothing changes with him. So we can always rejoice in him. We can't rejoice necessarily in our circumstances, but we can rejoice in him. Do you remember Habakkuk? Uh, Habakkuk lived in a time of national 
disaster. The Babylonians were about to invade the land and they were about to utterly destroy Jerusalem. They were going to tear down the walls, burn the city, smash the temple to pieces, take all the gold and silver away, carry the people into exile. The whole thing is going to be absolutely, utterly ruined. It makes our situation look like it's a, it's a holiday camp. Such was the devastation and ruin that came to that land. And he, he, was, he knew it was coming because he was a prophet. He could see it coming. Jeremiah could see the, the, the destruction of Jerusalem coming as well. But what did Habakkuk say? You know these words, don't you? Habakkuk 3, verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes in the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Even though this coronavirus should explode, even though the health service should collapse, even though the economy might completely break down, even though there might be a total breakdown of civil order, there might be rioting in the streets, even though I might get very ill, even though I might lose my wife and children, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. That's the message from Habakkuk, isn't it? I will rejoice in the Lord. Whatever happens, because he's not changed. And what he's done for us has not changed. So those are the, some extra things this evening. Um, we can pray, and I should have said, of course, when under prayer, that as well as praying privately, we can pray corporately. We can gather. I mean, how good it is and right to gather, to call on the name of the Lord. So we can pray, we can look for ways of doing good to others, we can speak of Christ, we can remember that God is ruling over all things for our good and we can and should rejoice in the Lord. Well I hope that's, say, it's really just a, like a, I'm sure for, all of, for us all, a refresher. You know, as you come up to the exams, just to remind you of the key things to remember as you're coming up to what would appear to be this great test that is on its way to us. Well, let's uh, sing to finish number 769. We trust in you, our shield and our defender. 769. We'll stand to sing.